0: Hello, Welcome friends to another episode brought to you by of leadership. I'm out. I'm John. I'm Zach. I'm Greg. <laughs> and we do have a guest on tonight who John is going to introduce here in just a moment. Um, well, actually, we're going to make him say something real quick. Um, it is episode 76, Greg, uh, which is going to be about success at work. But The tradition here has it that we throw out a number, uh, number 76, right to you, Greg. Does number 76 remind you of anything?
1: Yeah, the Philadelphia 76ers.
0: Oh. All right. Um, I I guess I I don't exactly know 76ers. Is there a reason why they're 76ers? I wish we had a history person. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's for sure. Mm
2: -hmm. John, Uh, the um, most famous 76er would be who? Well, I thought we could all go around and share our favorite 76er. Um, my favorite 76er was Steve Mix. Wore number 50, barely got off the bench. Um, I always wondered how he collected an NBA salary. So look him up. Mm-hmm. Number 50, Steve Mix, my favorite 76er. So uh, Zach, your favorite sports baller set the Philadelphia 76er Greg Alex favorite
3: 76er let's start with with Zach obviously Alan Iverson back in 2000 to 2001 I mean when I google my favorite 76er he he's just the first one that comes to mind (laughs) yeah practice
2: yeah (laughs) Uh, Greg Alex favorite
0: 76er uh i i can't think of any others most Spates
2: was he from the 76ers the maurice Spates? yeah he did he plays the sixers for a bit <laughs> a right. nice <laughs> job right. greg favorite 76ers do you have a favorite one
1: yeah i got i got one he played a lot for the Cavs too. uh world be free
0: hmm. he saved the cavaliers didn't he
1: yeah he did. pretty much he got his money's worth every game he certainly got his shots up and and his arm down,
2: but he was fun to watch. <laughs> oh, awesome! So maybe we'll do a podcast someday on our favorite uh, 76ers players. Uh-huh. Uh, talk about this for a while.
0: Now, Nick Maneksel didn't play for the 76ers, did he?
2: I think he was a, like a Nuggets player. Yeah, he was with the Nuggets. Although he may have, uh, he was he was a gunslinger too. So he probably bounced around by two teams. Those guys tend to do that.
0: Oh yeah! Oh yeah! Oh, and uh, why can't I think of the other Cal Corver? Oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. He was a okay.
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. We must move on uh, past the 76ers here. Let's recap last episode, gents. It was societal regression and the Bowens uh, societal emotional process, principle number eight.
3: Yeah. So we talked about the societal emotional process, which – really just largely boils down to uh, Trump's America. Just kidding. But <laughs> what we're talking about is just the idea that in the same way that a family can manifest anxiety and uh, it affects behaviors reactively, you have the same thing at the societal level. And uh, we talked about a variety of different things, but societal emotional process in three three areas, it, it involves often who we choose to be our leaders. It involves societal regression often, and it also involves you as an individual uh, accepting personal responsibility at the family and personal level to actually promote changes at societal level. And if you really want to understand what all of those three things mean and just hear about the uh, SCP or societal regression more, check out that episode.
0: Fantastic, Zach, well done. Um, John, I'd like you to follow that up as as well as Zach just did. Good luck.
2: Yeah, well, I'm going to introduce our guest tonight. Uh, Greg Warder is with us. Uh, Greg is a longtime friend Uh, From my my days uh, growing up, we've known each other since our high school years. Uh, Greg is a graduate of Miami University and a degree in business, a degree uh, from Kent State University, a master's in business administration, and then also has a law degree from the University of Akron. And uh, tonight we're going to talk about success at work. And uh, we know that right now in the country that we're living in, there's a lot of disruption in the workplace People are working from home, whereas before they were in the office, if you will. You know, we know in education things have changed. Um, We know people have been uh, thrown out of work, gotten laid off, furloughed, et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of disruption at work, and so we brought Greg on tonight to talk about success at work. And uh, I know Greg on a, a number of levels, uh, certainly personally and 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 as fathers and husbands and in our desire of, of furthering our faith, uh, but also uh, respect him, his uh, professional experience in the workplace. So uh, Greg's going to talk tonight a little bit about success at work. And so we're looking forward to a, to a great discussion. So Greg, uh, great to have you tonight and uh, looking forward to, to our, uh, our good discussion this evening. And so, Greg, maybe you could just start off a little bit uh, talking about uh, your experiences, you know, a little bit about some things that you've done professionally. And, and uh, we've got a, uh, um, a couple of questions, but just kind of, you know, with your experience and then thinking about the question, uh, young people out there today, they're graduating from college, they're trying to figure out their passion. Um, w- what kind of advice would you give them on how to do that? As you kind of maybe explain your own journey towards kind of what brought you to where you are today professionally,
1: yeah, John, great question, and and thanks, uh, gentlemen, for having me. I'm really happy to be with you guys tonight and be on this podcast. Um, the title "Success at Work" certainly does not mean that I have it all figured out by by any means. I'm I'm a work in process, um, probably like like everyone to some extent, and and we're all kind of walking through this together. Um, And that's a really good question. I I, kind of think is walking through, um, you know, kind of walking through my career. I've had a lot of, um, you know, uh, doors that seem kind of kind of closed or kind of um, the future wasn't wasn't really clear uh, throughout a lot of my career. When I went to Miami University, as you mentioned, I didn't know what my what my major was going to be. Um, I had a professor early on, he was from England and after he repeatedly told me I was uh, messing up the mother tongue or whatever from, um, from England, um, he sat aside and he said, you, you need to pick a degree. You need to like, you can't go through college into your second year without, without a major. And, uh, so that was, that was kind of a, a moment in time. I met with him a few, a few times and I, I, I still was just kind of, wandering through. So, you know, if there is a young person sitting out there, I think I think a lot of people, when you really kind of roll back and, and think to those those years as you're kind of walking through whether you're finishing up high school or even in college, like, you know, where do you go and and, and, and what do you do? And a couple of things I was thinking were, were like really super helpful to me and also to my kids here recently is like a little bit of aptitude testing. You know, um, there's a lot of really nice free resources online. Um, you know, we just did something with my with my daughter. Um, we don't actually go to this church, but Grace Church in Norton offers like a program. It's like, you know, I'm not necessarily, I mean, there's lots of programs out there. I'm not necessarily advertising for Grace Church in Norton, but they did a really nice job for like 150 bucks. You know, you can go get interviewed and, and put all kinds of different information into some tools. And and it was very, very helpful um, before we invested into my daughter's college that she had some some comfort with, you know, what what her skills were and what, what some aptitudes were and what some interests were. And I kind of did something pretty similar to that um, a few different times in my career. And ultimately, John, I'm kind of jumping a couple steps ahead, but it kind of led me to start... Um, thinking about law school fairly early on, I did a, I did an aptitude test called Myers-Briggs. I'm sure a lot of people are probably familiar with, with Myers-Briggs and the, and the tests and kind of the personality and, and, and I it came out that I had the aptitude to be a lawyer and I never really thought about being a lawyer, um, kind of early on. So I, uh, I ended up kind of walking through a little bit of a process where I thought, well, how do I get from where I am to ultimately being a lawyer someday? And um, I started meeting with with other professors. I started like going to some seminars of things that would be kind of interesting. And I went to one on supply chain management. I think supply chain management's pretty pretty well known now. Uh, when I first when I first uh, joined that major at Miami, it was there was only like four or five schools in the country that offered it. So there was a really high um, placement in that field. So I got into that field. I, I, I got a job right out of college. I kind of kept that interest in law school. So day one of my work, um, at, at Diebold, I talked to my boss about, you know, ultimately I'd like to become a lawyer and we kind of, we kind of planned out a little bit of a, a little bit of a process in that very first day I started of how do I get from, you know, where I am within the company to becoming a lawyer for the company, and I, I, I certainly admire that first boss and and so many folks that came alongside of me to kind of you know lead me in that direction. But um, you know, it did, did kind of start with some some mentorship, asking some questions, going to some you know going to some people I trusted, and then and then kind of putting a plan around you know ultimately ultimately heading in that direction. So um, in the meantime, of course, I went to law school for you know three and a half years. So I, I, I kind of John does this. We John and I played a lot of softball and I, I loved softball. And I, you know, there's a lot of really cool things early on in my career that kind of distracted me from this this mission. You know, it seemed like there's a lot of cool things in place. But ultimately I did buckle in and kind of walk through my eight years of night school and um and, and and kind of pursued that pursued that journey. So i hope some of that story is at least a, at least a little bit helpful um you know one one other thing is as i've as i've managed folks at work too and, and younger folks on their career is to um kind of kind of draw three circles uh, that all kind of inter, intertwine in the middle and one of the circles put like what what are you good at not just what you know, you feel you're good at, but what do, what do other people outside your family think you're good at? Your, your teachers at school, your friends and so forth. I mean, what, what, what are really some skills you have? Um, second thing is, you know, what do you, what do you really enjoy doing um, on the second circle? And then like, what, what's a career? What, what can you get paid to do? And it's really kind of a fun exercise. If you, if you play around with that model, and you can kind of find something in the middle that lines up on all three of those things something you like you're good at and you can get paid for um it's amazing like kind of walking through that process how how many times someone's come back and said hey i never really realized i could earn a living doing whatever it is that that they really like to do so just a couple things that were were, were helpful in my journey
0: so greg Thank you for sharing. By the way, um, as far as your career and moving towards getting your law degree, uh, and you talked about this a little bit with softball, but um, were there certain barriers that were were in the way um, keeping you from this uh, from that career?
2: Yeah, there, there,
1: there were. I had, um, you know, one, one of the things that's always that's probably in front of everyone is, is the financial aspect. You know, how do you, how do you pay for that? You know, you're kind of becoming a a career student at that point when you start into graduate school and so forth. Um, so that was a barrier I had to work through. Um, uh, you know, fortunately for, for my MBA program, there was, there was some help from work, but, um, you know, work traditionally did not cover a, a legal degree. So certainly had to, had to make some arrangements and, and work some deals out. Um, you know, work ultimately ended up did help helping pay a little bit, but but financial was definitely definitely one piece that was a was a real slowdown or real concern, I guess. Um, and the other thing was, and, and I, I know probably a lot of maybe all all three of you guys and others that are listening, um, when when you start into a career, like I got married, so you know. You know, my wife is wonderful, but, you know, there's certain things she wants to do and vacations and, and other things. Your, your, your spouse really has to be tied in you know, if you're married to that journey. Uh, fortunately, mine was, but, but um, the career responsibility started increasing. So, Alex, to, to kind of answer your question, I was, I was blessed and fortunate to, to be on a nice trajectory. Um, but as I mentioned, I started off in supply chain management. So, um, in supply chain management, really, really, what was happening at that time when I started out is everything was being outsourced to to lower cost countries. So that led me to having to spend a lot of time in you know around the world, in you know Latin America, and South America, and, and Asia. And uh, so there, there was there was really a lot of pressure to um, from, from my work to make sure work was first. And it was it was hard to really dedicate and kind of take a little bit of a step back. Um, there was probably a couple times along the way where I might have even passed on some opportunities at, at work to continue to advance, to slow the range down just a little bit, so I could um, I, I could accomplish that you know the, that that academic um, accomplishment. So so yeah, there,
2: was, there were some obstacles along the way for sure. I was uh, thinking to um, what you said, Greg, about financial hurdles, a buy-in from a spouse and family obligations. And then also you mentioned about slowing down and giving yourself some time to think and and maybe saying no to certain opportunities because it allowed you the time and space to be a little bit more thoughtful to consider um, that the, the idea of law school and and on this podcast, uh, something that we tend not to do much of, that I think is really useful. That's really useful that you've done so far is you've given us some practical things. You've you've talked about aptitude testing, which can lead to a setting of goals. And you mentioned that aptitude testing for you, like lawyer, kind of that that was something. And then you tied that into the circles of something that you are good at and then you enjoy and then eventually hey, you've made this part of your career uh, and thinking about that. But certainly there's times um, maybe at a, at a place that you've been uh, you've had a couple different jobs for sure. Um, what advice do you have for people who are in a job? They feel stuck. They're generally unhappy. Um, maybe it's a difficult boss. Maybe they don't feel like their skills are being utilized and uh, they're being passed over for promotions, whatever it is. Uh, what advice would you have for somebody who's in a in a position right now and they're just really unhappy? Uh, any thoughts on on how you would address that for them?
1: Yeah, John, um, yes, uh, you know, a couple things. When 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 they're in that situation, and I've been in that situation. My my first company that I worked for. Um, let me take a little bit of a step back. My, um, my grandparents, you know, moved to this area to work in the, the rubber shops and so forth. And, and my grandfathers both worked at, you know, Goodyear and General Tire all the way through their careers. And my father worked at the same company all of, you know, his career. And, um, I started working off at a company called Diebold in in North Canton. Um, and I was there for 26 years. So I kind of had this mindset that that's just what you do. You just, you just kind of grind through it. You put up with, 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 you know, what's happening and you just, you know, you just, you just, you just deal with it. That's just the way it is is you start a company and you retire from the company. Um, I, I, I quickly learned and, and kind of to jump to your answer, John is, you know, I think that, I think there's a lot of different um, reasons now why the economy is different. Um, some of the way that employees are incented and and new startups and and the the economy now that's a lot more, um, you know, savvy and so forth. I think there's, I think there's so many opportunities, but it's such a connected world. (laughs) So, so, um, you know, Zach and I were, we're talking a little bit before, before the podcast today that, you know, we'd met at a a leadership session. Um, Zach knows some people at the, the company I currently work for DRB um If Alex and I talked, we'd probably know some some common people so when i say when I say connectivity, all three companies that I've worked for i've known people that worked for those companies at at different times and um so I think the first thing that that's really important is try not to wear that emotion on your sleeve you know if you're if you're unhappy at work um you know maybe maybe pick a confidant or two um preferably someone even outside your workspace and and, and don't wear that on your sleeve at work. So they come across as, you know, I'm unhappy at my job and everybody knows I'm unhappy at my job because then (laughs) then you become a miserable employee. and, And like I said, with that interconnectivity of so many people jumping around these days from company to company, um, it's, I think it's really important to maintain that, um, positivity, integrity, um, you know, doing everything you can for the company every day. It's not about me. It's about, you know, it's about the team kind of thing. So I think, I think that's kind of one of the, one of the first things I, I would like to add is if, if you're unhappy in your job and looking to move, but please, please try not to make sure everybody knows that. <laughs> you know? um, the second thing is, um, and I know we've talked about this a little bit. As we've talked in the beginning, I've known John for a long time. And one of the books that I, that was super influential in my life. It's called chase the lion by an author named Mark Batterson and uh, Mark Batterson's a pastor, but he also has a lot of leadership experience. And, um, you know, I, I, he gave, he gave me a lot of advice in reading that book, um, that, that led me to, to what, what you do. And, and there was, a, there was a lot in there about, um, you know, the whole theme of the book is about a about a character in the Old Testament named Benaniah, and um, Benaniah was a was a guard like in King David's um, you know regiment, like his security regiment. Uh, but Benaniah was like a fearless a fearless guy. So there was a lion that was causing trouble in in the community, in that region. Ben and I actually, instead of like running away or being scared or frightened or whatever, he actually chased the lion. There's just a couple of verses about it in uh, in Samuel, but he chased the lion into the cave on a snowy day and, and and killed the lion. So he he became somewhat of a hero in the community. Also killed some really bad guys that were were trying to you know kill the leadership and King David and so forth. So Ben and I really moved up the. The latter, and ultimately became the right hand man of King Solomon. So um, there, there was quite a bit in that book. I, I actually started a little company, a little consulting company called Chase the Line. It was so influential to me. Um, and through this, through this job change, there's a there's a lot in that in that book that I got out of like pursuing change, pursuing. Um, Mark Anderson uses this phrase a lot like our goal in life is not to finish safely in the end, um, but it's to pursue our dreams. It's the whole kind of thing. Like you don't want to be sitting on your couch when you're in your eighties and say, I wish I would have and and, and so forth. So um, I I would highly emphasize using that, that somewhat negative energy and, and turning it into like a positive exercise to spend a lot of time planning, thinking, jotting down notes, what do I ultimately want to do in the next stage of my career? I recommend having like coffees with people and, and industries you're interested in or companies you're interested in. Um, I've had, I've had a lot of personal success by joining volunteer boards. Um, you know, I was, a am still on the board of the YMCA. I've done, um, you know, board work for other you know, charities and so forth. So I think there's, I think there's a lot of opportunity if we um, if we're unhappy at work to really kind of spend time thinking and planning and drawing up one and three and five year plans of where you ultimately want to get and behind the scenes really make those efforts to to make that move um obviously career
0: change um, is exactly what you talked about but i'm I'm also interested in um Personal changes that happen within that career change, and so uh, did did you notice? And I'm sure you did. I'll let you speak to this, but as your personal life changed, that kind of changed your outlook on work. And maybe you can can talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, that's a that's a that's a really good question, Alex. What one of the things that another program that was really helpful for me in this job change was a was a program I joined called Leader to Leader. And in that um, in that Leader to Leader program, we we challenged ourselves. The leaders of the Leader to Leader program really challenged us this to, to cause changes uh, in all aspects of our life. So um, spiritually is one. Uh, physically is another one. Um, um, your use of your use of time is one thing we talked about a lot. Your your use of leadership tools. Um, so, kind of on the on the personal side, I took that I took that time when I was going through those changes to really start running every day, start eating better, um, start sleeping better, start you know really start you know intentionally kind of kind of making those physical changes at the same time. From a spiritual perspective, um, you know I'm, I'm a Christian, so I I really you know focused in on Spending more time in the Word, spending more time praying—I've I've kept up a lot of those principles um, that at one time in my life I was really strong and, and, and did that kind of thing. I probably—it's um, kind of funny, Alex. When when I, when I kind of hit that point in my career where I became a little bit um, jaded, a little bit uh, bitter, like I didn't look forward to getting up on Mondays and going to work and, and all that kind of thing—it wasn't just the the work that that declined. I felt like My health wasn't as good My spiritual condition wasn't as good. And, um, you know, just my relationships weren't as good. I was a lot more, um, I wasn't as positive of a person to be around, probably for my family either. So um, I really kind of intentionally focused on cleaning all that up collectively. So I was in in a position to, um, you know, collectively as a whole person, um, you know, be prepared to jump to a new opportunity
3: so alex and john question for you guys you're teachers so you kind of know you're going to be doing the same thing for a long long time uh based within this conversation on careers um what led you into that but also how have you dealt with um maybe the stagnancies that can come along with the Uh, the lack of change that occurs over time, Uh, specifically in an age where I think that um, on one hand, kids are pressured to determine the path of their life with their college major contrasted with the fact that people are also expected to change jobs somewhere between every two and five years um, where you're not typically doing 25 year stints at companies anymore, but as a teacher,
2: you are uh it's a great question so i just finished year 30 teaching so i've been uh at my school for 30 years and will be there uh, for a while i i assume um uh so you know my why i go back to to greg's uh, point of of thinking about that that end game and what's important um and, and what are you good at what do you enjoy doing and what can you make a career out of and so I got into teaching to positively impact the lives of young people and uh, just a desire to do that. And, and the subject that I teach is kind of a conduit to do that. But as I've grown as a person, and as I've become more interested in leadership, uh, I've been able to do things like this podcast. Um, I've been I teach a leadership class for educators uh, through Ashland University, and I do some leadership coaching in our in our school district, and and do some training of individuals. So, I guess if I as I've evolved as a person. Uh, Within the career that I have, I've been able to kind of carve out some of that interest in in some of the the work that I do. Um, So that's allowed me to evolve as a person in the midst of steady, important uh, employment. That's kind of how I've done that.
0: Yeah, I just finished up year 12, and I actually got my administrator's license uh, I want to say a couple years ago um, and it, it's funny I asked Greg about the personal changes because um, as you know as I have this desire at one point to become a an administrator and I could still do that um, you know you get married and when you get married things change and um, you know I'm looking into maybe getting into rental properties and now, those are all things that are outside of my work, which I think are helpful uh, for me to continue to change and grow as a person. But within the teaching profession itself, uh, this might be a little bit too much um, than what you wanted. But what what's nice about the teaching profession is they have different classes that you could teach. So I just got a new class last year. And so, uh, you know, the first time you do something, at least in the first year, I feel like you just kind of work your way around it and try to figure it out. Um, and then second year, especially in teaching, you've got a new opportunity. Every new year brings a new crop of students and new crop of people. Um, and there's, and I don't know if John can speak to this, but there's, it's really enjoyable to, um, be meet different people, especially students, but just people because they're people and really connect with them. Um, and, there are, are, there are ones that you will be able to connect to um, on a different level just because for whatever reason. Um, and those are, I would say, the most enjoyable times of teaching. And I'm certain that's very similar to other people in careers, even as you're switching around, but you meet certain people within those careers that really have an impact on your life. And uh, as a teacher as as a leader and influencer of the school, very directly, um, you can really, and, you're, and I'm not seeking out like, oh, wow, I'm going to really influence all these kids. Um, but knowing that you're doing something that is is positive to students, I think is always something.
1: Um, yeah, yeah I'm, the, I'm the guest, but I have a quick follow-up question for, for the teachers, guys. Um, you know, clearly, clearly both of you are, Passionate about what you do, and passionate about the students, and, and and so forth. I'm curious if either one of you have maintained contact with, um, you know, students, you know, well past high school and college, um, who who are going through some of these same same issues with um, with career career change, difficult bosses, um, uncertain about you know if they're in the right field, and 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 so forth. Just just curious. And, and
2: how you uh, and how you lead them through that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I make myself available. I have actually have a call this week with a former student who is in the educational field um, in a in a neighboring district and uh, really struggling through. And it was, it's actually one of the impetus for the questions that I sent to you, Greg, thinking about tonight, but uh, about how to deal with a difficult boss. And um, so, yeah. Um, One of the, one of the joys for me of being a teacher is to help students grow as people. And we know that that growth process doesn't, um, obviously is not final at graduation. So it's a, it is a, a, a joy and something I really, um, kind of a privilege to be able to help people think through what we talk about in this podcast about how do you deal with a difficult boss and, and, um, you know. Certainly, teaching selective incorporation or campaign finance law is okay for the government class I teach, but uh, the the lessons beyond that I think are far more important and and actually what brings me more joy than talking about topics such as that. So, Alex, I'm sure your thoughts on that too. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: uh, John, I've usually been teaching for 30 years and this has been 12 years for me. And I felt like within at least maybe the first seven years, maybe eight. I was just pretty standoffish as being a younger teacher. I didn't really want to grow too close to some of my students because they were kind of closer to my age and just seemed wrong. Um, but I would say within the last five or six years, um, there's particularly one student that I can think of that um, we've kept up and she just graduated um, from Ohio State. And so I talked to her probably, I don't know, every three, four months and just try to catch up and Um, And then another student who just graduated from um, high school, who I know that I already know that I'll I'll end up talking to her too. Um, And yeah, I I think being a sounding board is really important. Just being able to... uh, Just giving a chance to somebody, especially somebody younger, um, to just be able to sit there and listen to them. I think is so important. Um, I know Zach often says within this podcast of sometimes there's not, you don't need to say anything. And I think that's inherently true uh, with a lot of people and just listening, but especially younger people, though they may speak, they they may seek advice on things. Um, a lot of times, um, I believe that People want to find out themselves. And so guiding them through the longer process of figuring out themselves um, inherently allows growth, but also a lot of um self-actualization and um uh, positivity, I don't think is the word, but um we'll go with that. Uh walking, I think confidence, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I appreciate your question, Greg, thinking through um, just that that journey that uh, teachers are on and we're all on trying to influence people. And so as we wind up the podcast, I'm, I'm wondering if you could speak to a phenomenon that I've noticed recently. Um, so uh, as in the workplace, what we are seeing more and more is this collaborative environment where people, uh, even at a young age, they might be in charge of leading a team of people on a particular project. And conversation I had with a, a graduate from a number of years ago this past summer, uh, the, the position that they found themselves in was managing a team where some of the members of the team were much older than this person. And so they had that that challenge of, you know, you're just young, you're in your 20s, et cetera, et cetera. So as you've observed the workplace, uh, what are some characteristics of successful people who have been good managers of people, whether they have a title as a, a boss or whether they're a team lead. What are some characteristics that you've seen of successful people in the workplace in working with other people in a collaborative environment? I'm curious of your observations on that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Great question. Um, you know, we started this, uh, we started this podcast off talking about sports a little bit. Um, I think a lot of the principles apply, um, you know, for anyone that's been on a team or a, a fan of sports Um extremely, extremely important um, to have, you know, humility. Um, but I think all the leaders that I've had that I really respected um, and, uh, you know, I've really tried to incorporate this myself, although as I, as I fully admit, I make mistakes as well. Um, I really try to focus on that, on that humble aspect. Um, my first management job, every single person, I think I was managing a group of 15 at the time, every single person was older than me and, and most of the people were substantially older than me, like as old as my parents. Um, so it was, it was difficult and I learned, I learned pretty early on that,
2: you
1: know, <laughs> telling someone 20 years older than you how to, you know, do something is you know, not always well received. And, um, so I, I really believe that servant leadership, that humble leadership, um, you know, I think of the book, good to great, and, um, you know, how that, uh, how that, how that whole book kind of really, really shows the value of, of humble servant leadership and, and what it means to an organization, what it means to people's individual career. Um, I think that's, I think that's absolutely critical. Another thing I always think about with, uh, with managers too, is, um, I, I'm sure we can all think of somebody, you know, whether it be our school or our workplace or wherever it is we um, you know, um, uh, work our careers is, you know, who is that leader that's, that's, you know, in there, you know, picking up the piece of paper off the floor and, you know, knows the janitor's name and, you know, is, is, is not beneath doing any job. I know that kind of fits with a little bit of, uh, the humblest thing I already mentioned, but I think that, you know, hungriness, that, that willingness to, um, do whatever it takes to get done. I think I think your team, um, anyone that's anyone that's in a management position, if they feel that their manager is willing to do anything that they're asked somebody else to do, and demonstrates that they actually do it, it really goes a long way with um, with teams and, and leaders. Um, you know, a lot of times, if um, I think I think an initial inclination is you want to show you're in charge and really be the boss, and this is how it's going to you know. This is my way or the highway kind of thing. Um, Yeah, there's there's certain times for that. There's certain um, you know emergency situations, and there's certain just you know urgent turnaround kind of things where something needs to get done by Friday, or there's you know consequences or something like that where you need to take charge. But but generally, as much as possible, I've found that if you can you know demonstrate that you're humble, demonstrate that you're willing to do all aspects of the job, and as Zach mentioned, have that. Have that open ear to listen to people. Um, there's such a there's such a huge need in the workplace, in my experience. Everyone wants to talk and and, and, and communicate. There's very few managers that are willing to to really listen. And and, and sometimes you can go through hour long meetings and hardly say anything. Um, but yet it, it, it's incredible how the, the 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 team the the employee you know feels like you've really added. their um to their day and listen to their ideas and and uh, sometimes it just helps to follow up the next day or something uh, you know to make sure they understood that you you heard them and you try to incorporate some things and so forth but um you know i really kind of kind of focus on a couple of those things um there's there's one other thing that i think is easier for some people than others but there's there's like there's a lot of aspects in leadership that are like emotional intelligence, and um, I know different leadership programs kind of use different terminology for for that whole emotional intelligence kind of thing. But um, I think it's I think it's helpful to kind of somehow um, be aware of how you're being perceived as a leader, but also continually ask for feedback, um, whether it be um, you know um, little surveys, little um, you know have a. We, we used to do programs called 360s so I don't know if anybody's aware of a 360 but maybe put out a little um, zoom monkey or something like that where you you, know, you ask for feedback to come to a to a third party um, you know how's Greg doing what, you know what, what do you think of him on a scale of one to ten what's his management style um, you know document some weaknesses and positives and then combine all that together it's 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 super helpful very, very helpful for leaders. If you can get that kind of real-time feedback, um, how you're doing. And then, um, you know, I guess it kind of leads back to the humbleness aspect, Um, being able to take that news, which sometimes isn't what you want to hear and trying to, um, you know, get, get, get better, um, you know, as you continue to develop your, your style and, and continue to work with your team. So those are, those are some things, John, to, you know, kind of, can kind I of answer your question that really stand out as, as um, you know, pretty helpful tools.
3: I do want to say and add to that, the, the idea of seeking feedback and also um, the importance of giving um, feedback as a leader. Um, that is to say, uh, I think we have a tendency to either seek um, someone to assign a value of worth or um, I, to give that as leaders, that's the both sides of that failure. But I think that uh, there's a great value in giving feedback, that is to say, a measure of progress or uh, just a general trend of how people are meeting expectations or even just seeking expectations if you're, you're not in the position that sets the standard. Um, and a lot of that actually comes from experience from my first job that ended up being probably one of the worst work experiences that I had, but also one of the most beneficial. Um, At the end of the summer, we had been, it was an internship. So, you know, it's a three-month project. And there were a lot of um, hoops thrown at us to jump through. But one of the biggest things that added value was at the end of the summer, my boss and my effective manager, I say that in air quotes because uh, he wasn't a technical guy and so there wasn't that much he could do. Uh, but they sat us down and they ran through a list of 10 different metrics and they said, Hey, this is how you met up to our expectations. And they had an opportunity for dialogue and feedback. And me, this was actually my second internship, my first internship really within my field. And so I didn't have the, the means to communicate, um, expectations, uh, either to um, to ask what was really expected of me or how to accomplish something when it wasn't clearly communicated. Uh, and there also wasn't a clear hierarchy that I could depend on, a clear structure of feedback communication to give me that. And so we sit down at the end of the summer and they walk me through these 10 points of feedback and they say, this is how you exceeded our expectations and this is where we expected more. And the one thought I had from that meeting afterwards is, We're four months in, three months into this internship. It's over now. And if you had done this one month in, or even two months in, it would have doubled or tripled not just mine, but the entire team's value of of the work and um, just what we were able to achieve. And that's something that I've taken with me from each of that. But I think that's, uh, uh, like Greg's saying, a very important thing both to seek um, as a leader and just as an individual. Uh, to gain further perspective but also to as appropriate one um, you're a leader in a hierarchical system to provide that feedback to it can tend to help reduce anxiety
1: exact hey that is that is phenomenal I'm so glad you you raised those points um if it's okay I'd just like to bring up one more kind of follow-up to that I think as leaders um you know and, and it applies to your situation I think there's such a there's such a desire to uh, end the day and be, you know, happy and non-confrontational, and you know, um, you're just kind of moving down the path. And, and 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 when you do manage people, you know, of all ages and all levels of experience, you know, sometimes that, sometimes setting that expectation and also pulling the person aside and let them know it's not, um, yeah. you know, it's not working or try something else or whatever. That is hard. I mean, that that is those conversations are brutal and you, you hate to have those, but it can help. It can help everybody so much in the person. Um, I think back to one case where, you know, a guy who this is way back, but he used to sit next to me and, and you know, his, his manager like always gave him like the smile and everything's good. And they would be buddies and everything like that. But you know, one day he just basically got fired. You know, and and it was like completely shocking. I mean, he was like it just set back, and it, it actually—I'll get to the story here real quick. But it turned out great because his career from that point's gone gone wonderfully. Um, but after after this person was totally shocked and 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 fired, there was a conversation that led to you know tears and um, you know everything else by by everybody involved. That like, hey, you know. You, when you act like this, it comes across really in an arrogant way. And when you do this, it, it really um, sends your team a bad message and no one thinks that you're bought in. And you, know, you come across as, you know, you're trying to be smarter than everybody else. And, you know, there were, there were some things like that. So it was kind of like, hey, bud, you know, we should have told you before, but, um, you know, please remember these things in your future career. And as emotional and awful as that was, this this, this person has... Exceptionally excelled um, down the line, and that story always reminds me to to not let it get to that point. <laughs> you know, try to have those conversations. You know, as real time, I think I think is for, for those you know listening to this podcast that are parents. You know, they always talk about like you know discipline and correcting your kids and you know pointing things out with your kids. The sooner to the incident that that um, needs to be corrected. The, that the um, advice and, and correction is given, you know, the better off. The same thing applies with with employees and us as as leaders. You know, it's not it's not helpful to wait until the year end review if, if if you see something happen today. You know, it's it's much more helpful if you pull the person aside right after the meeting that didn't go well and so forth. And and that's that's really tough stuff for us as employees and us as we all have a boss at some level. Um, so whether we're the boss or talking to our boss, those, those real time communications are
0: super helpful. Awesome. That was great. Uh, Greg, we really appreciate you having uh, you being on, uh, with us in the podcast. Um, we're going to wrap this up now. Um, if you would like to contact us, you can contact us at of at gmail.com. You could contact us through Facebook and that is how John
2: What was that? (laughs) Oh, Facebook. Yeah. So, Facebook, uh, it's pf backslash pr at Facebook.edu. Or maybe that's not quite right. Zach, maybe take that over. I think if you just go to
3: Google and you type in of leadership, you'll get some stuff. But if you do it on Facebook, maybe you'll find us. That's (laughs) what we're hoping. Facebook.com backslash of leadership
0: there you go i think that'll handle it uh special thanks to jetler uh for coming up with our sick beats in the beginning but other than that i think it's time to sign off my name's Alex. i'm john
3: i'm zach i'm greg and thanks for joining us see you around adios and finished good work team